Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast, a podcast from two guys who make $94 a week doing a job that a computer now does and who sometimes watch movies. I'm Ryan Hurley and I'm here with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolfcool, who currently is not in his apartment because someone's banging some woman in it. Oh my, really? (laughs) I, uh, I saw Jack Lemmon. And I was like, this is how you get ahead in life. <laughs> you know what? If uh, if you need that promotion at work, you may as well just uh, give it a go. Why not? It's a good way to curry favor. I got a, I got some, I got a questionable take on Jack Lemmon's character in this movie. Bud, Bud, uh, C.C. Baxter coming up. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, now, you know, if you were, make, if you were making $94 a week, wouldn't you? I feel like back then that's not bad at all. I think I I, I looked it up and it was like about forty thousand dollars is is about like what that's like today. Did you notice that his rent was like less than a week's salary? I was like, hmm, I can get behind that. I was gonna say I was like, well, my rent is like. Many multiple of my week's salary. I yeah. would, uh, yep. I would love for that deal. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> well, uh, if you can't tell by now, we are going to be talking about the 1960 film *The Apartment*, starring Jack Lemmon um, and Shirley MacLaine. Um, but first, what have you been watching lately, Wolf? I watched this movie called The Host that was actually filmed during quarantine. It's basically an unfriended movie without like the bullshit of an unfriended movie where basically these five friends have a seance with a medium over Zoom and one of the girls like makes up a dead person and it causes like the spirit of that fake dead person to come down and like haunt the five girls and the whole thing is shot like within a zoom call and like the movie ends when you run out of time on the zoom call. This was, this was done during quarantine, right? Like they made it during quarantine. Oh yeah. That's kind of fun. That's fun that they were able to make something. It was pretty good. It was a bunch of like no namers in it. And like, I thought it was pretty scary. That's all you can really ask for with, with like some of those low budget horror movies, really. Oh, I wonder what that movie even cost. It, it premiered on Shutter. Gotta <laughs> love having Shutter in times like these. More of those Shutter originals. <laughs> I think it was a Shutter original. I thought it was fine. You know, I think it's one of those things where if you're comfortable seeing a movie that was made because of what we're going through, then you might like it. But if you're one of those people who's like, uh, let's not capitalize on this, you probably won't like the movie. <laughs> That makes sense. If you're if you're looking for just like an escape from the quarantine, yeah. Uh, this week I uh, was also watching uh, some movies that were, well, I, I don't know about the first one, but the second one was pretty low budget, um, and that was I in the same night I watched the Maltese Falcon, which was on our our quick question last week, um, and then I watched Shaft after that, which was really fun. And like a shockingly good pairing, I, it was the two movies work together w- really well um, because they're both kind of like private eye movies. Mm-hmm. There's someone where I work named uh, Richard Roundtree, and I always think of Roger Roundtree. 
What if it was the real, the real one, the you know, the one from Shaft? I've never seen his face. Maybe it is. He's not making much money. He could just have stuck the movies. <laughs> Maybe it, it, does he have the big like cheesy mustache? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> that would be amazing. He's Richard Roundtree's great in this in this movie. Uh, he is just having like the time of his life. Uh, and like some of the lines he gets to say are so funny. Like it's, it's Shaft is like it was pretty much made seriously, but now it's kind of a comedy. But they almost makes it better. <laughs> Have you ever seen any of the other like sequels? Mm-mm, I haven't. They seem <laughs> the premises of them are are so funny though. Just the titles. I kind of wanted to see the one that came out like last year, but like then I realized there were like two other ones, and I was like, "Oh man, this is like a thing." Yeah, I I thought the the one last year kind of had a funny concept where it was all of the all of the shafts mm-hmm. like together. I feel like that's a fun a fun little premise. I bet it was. Um... Maybe uh maybe we'll do a shaft pod someday. We always say that we love we love joking about the pods. We're never gonna do. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> we'll do a host pod next week. Ooh, let's just do an unfriended one. Unfriended dark web. One of Betty Gabriel's unfriended <laughs> dark web. It's like a real step back for her. Un- unfriended dark web. I've heard just like people. People really were just like. I, I could never tell the way people described it. I could never tell if they actually liked the movie or not because they were just kind of like, wow, that was a dark movie. And I'm like, but what is that? What does that it mean? It was dark. And it like, it was, it really like rang. It really dragged for being, I think it was like an hour and a half. <laughs> and it like, I don't know. It's just, I, I thought the first one, the first one was actually kind of good. Like I actually like, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I liked it, but I definitely was like, oh, I did a couple things. But uh, the second one is like, the second one thinks it's going to be so cool, and then it's just not. <laughs> I feel like that's the that's the that's the case most of the time with horror sequels, unfortunately. But I will say, and I'll ask you this quick question: It has a cool movie poster. So, for you personally, what does it take? to have a movie poster that you like or what's a what's a what's a way that you won't like a movie poster so there's like specific things that don't always make a movie po- a good movie poster but i do if if they do exist that makes me like them more so like for instance like the exorcist has a great movie poster partially because it's a cool shot but also because it's from the movie so, like, mm-hmm. if you have, like, just a really out shot from the movie and that's your poster, uh, I always like that. Um, I like if something's, like, drawn, too. Like, uh, so, like, with a lot of the older ones, like, I'm looking at the um, poster for the apartment, which, like, it's just some quotes and, like, the keys to the apartment, and, like, a few drawings, but it kind of looks nice. I, I like it enough. Um, the thing that I recoil the most from is just like some of the hallmarks of bad posters yeah <laughs> like uh we were, we were talking about uh just like one like graphic design thing that gets on both of our nerves which is just that when the names don't line up with where the 
person is positioned mm-hmm. on the movie poster. Like Ocean's Eleven, you look at that, and that's like a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Like you have the opportunity to just put the name above the person's head. Like if if you're someone who like doesn't know anything about movies, and you're like, oh, I don't know, Brad Pitt was George Clooney, like. Yeah. What are you supposed to do with that? I remember as a kid, like like as a kid looking at posters, I didn't know the people's names enough to know, you know, who they were just from looking at it. So I'd, I'd you know, like I'd look at the Ocean's Eleven poster, and I'd be like, oh, and I'd be pointing at George Lucas or George George Lucas, George Clooney, and I'd be like, that guy's Andy Garcia, no. isn't he? Because it's because names above it, and then, and then my parents were like. Why would you think that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Andy Garcia's name makes the poster. I'm pretty, sure, I, I'm pretty sure he gets the classic, like, with Andy Garcia. Oh, my God. Andy, Andy Garcia. Oh, yeah, he is listed. Oh, yeah, this is a nightmare. Oh, because you think it should be in order, but instead... Oh, no, instead it goes George Clooney, and then it has Matt Damon, when it probably should be Pitt. And then Garcia's Damon, Brad Pitt is Garcia, and Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. It's just like, used to just make my head spin. I just like a poster that's colorful, and it like I can look at it and like get a little bit of an understanding of the tone of the movie. Like Ex Machina, mm-hmm. it's, just, uh, it's just Alicia Vikander's character, and I just like yeah. how it looks like a little like sci-fi it's a little like spooky you just know you're kind of in for something and i like all i like pretty much all of uh hitchcock's you just know you're going to be entered into a different kind of world with with his movie posters but i also really hate any movie poster where they just like put a picture of the main actor and it's just like a like a picture of them it's like they're like posing for it so like we talked about finding neverland having that awful like, where did they get these pictures of Kate Winslet and Johnny Depp? Like, I prefer when it's something like Shutter Island, where it's just like they probably just took a scene of Leo and just like stuck his face on the poster. And like, you're, it's like it looks better than it's just like awkwardly smile, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, um, uh, uh, we, yeah, we were talking about like Finding Neverland, or then I hate also when it's the, this was like a really big thing in the early 2010s, but when it was just have the main character, but have the main characters back facing towards the, like where the people are looking. So you're just like, like the born ultimatums poster. I know was like this, where it's just, you're just looking at the back of Matt Damon's head and it's like born ultimatum. <laughs> you're like, cool. It's a good looking head though. Yeah. Nice head of hair. He's got back there. See? Matt Damon knows a thing or two about a good head of hair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll leave the discussion of, of posters there, and um, we'll move on to our movie club this week, which was, as I mentioned before, The Apartment, um, starring Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, uh, directed by Billy Wilder. Um, what did you think about this movie, Wolf? I uh I think I was expecting something completely different. I think I was expecting a movie that was more like the second half. Like I didn't know it was a comedy. Like I I had I had no thoughts going into it. I kind of thought it was going to be like maybe a little more like of an erotic thriller. Once when, when you read what it's about, we're oh. like, oh, there's like going to be people in the apartment like doing stuff, and then 
And then the way it's like, oh, he's going to see something that changes everything. And I was like, oh, someone's going to die. And it's going to be like a murder mystery. Because it's Billy Wilder, who's done like Double Indemnity, Sunset <laughs> Boulevard. You're like, oh, this movie's going to have like that kind of a tone. Not erotic, but like, he, I mean, they're not erotic. It's the 60s, for God's sakes. But like something a little darker. <laughs> and instead you kind of get like this comedy that this like, I like how it really shows like what work was like in the 60s. Good time to be yeah. white. You know, the 60s were just the peak time to be white. That's true. There's uh, a... <laughs> everybody is white in this movie. Everybody. <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked the first half where it's funny and, like, the second half where it's a little darker and there's a lot more, like, going on where, like, you really start to see how, like, lonely Jack Lemon's character is and how, like, he doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere and like how Shirley MacLaine is just like in love with this man who's like never going to love her back. And there's just like a lot going on in this movie. And it's all very like subtle, which is why it took me until like the last 15 minutes to fully be like, oh, this is everything that's been going on in this movie the whole time. And I, I really liked it. I really thought it's a deserving best picture winner of 1961, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we get to cross off a best picture winner with this, which is, is always great. Yes. But yeah, this is just a, a solid movie too. I think it's funny that you said you were surprised it was a comedy because I was surprised, but like the other way around where I, I was like, we hit the second half and I was like, oh, it's getting dramatic. Like we're really going into these characters because uh, I just thought it was going to be like some like it hot or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I really liked Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine in both of like the lead roles and um uh like the premise is super interesting it's super clever i don't was it based off of a book or something or i don't know but uh, it's just like really fun it's a really fun thing to like think about and it really makes you sort of like hate the guys that are using the apartment using cc baxter's apartment mm-hmm. um it, particularly mr sheldrake who we'll get into um but yeah like sort of that mix of comedy and seriousness I thought worked really well in this movie. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts in this movie. I'm excited to excited for us to dive through the plot. Let's do it then. So we begin, we meet uh, C.C. Baxter. We hear his a little monologue. We, he's given us some fun facts that he's learned from being in the insurance business. He's telling us his job. Uh, we see him working late. And then... We find out why he's working late and we find out uh, what his apartment is being used for. Um, did you like the little bit of a narration in, in this introduction? Yeah, I, I was I was good with it. I think, you know, looking back on this movie, it's 60 years old. It was kind of cool to see like what New York was like back then and how 8 million people back then was probably like, oh my God, there's 8 million people in this city. And it just kind of like gave you a nice understanding of like, the world was smaller then. Did it make you laugh when they were like averaging everybody's hideout to five six? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh wow, I don't, I don't know, uh, I'm not very close to that. <laughs> yeah, neither of us are, are below six feet. <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, I was like, they must be including like children in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a fun little like introduction. And, like, it's such a random statistic, but it's so much better than, like, starting off with having somebody be like, 
and I bet you're wondering how I got here, you know, like. <laughs> well, that's what uh, that's what his other movie is. That's what Sunset Boulevard is. It opens with the person face down in the pool, and then it's like, "Oh, how did I get here?" There's like a famous line, yeah. This, but that's like what that's what his other movie is. So I kind of like this way of it, where it's like, "All right, here's me. Now here's my story." Yeah, like it kind of it lets you get to know the Jack Lemmon character a little bit, but not like having him just tell you everything, basically. Yep, I agree. And uh, just, like, getting set up, too, where he's not like, this is what my apartment is used for. I mean, like, he's kind of like that, but you just kind of see him more so, like, kind of waiting outside, waiting for these people to leave. Um, it's uh, it's just such a great opening. And the, the way they make the office look in the beginning, too, is really great. Yeah, I love how, like... Uh, you have the trivia later on, or you can do it now, but I just love how, like, it just looks like you're looking, like, down at it almost. And you can see, like, how many, like, desks there really are in this big, giant office building. Have you ever seen Sorry to Bother You? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, I like reminded that me of something like that, where it's just, like, they're all, they're all just, like, sitting there doing their, like, meaningless, mindless jobs that just doesn't exist anymore. It also made me think of like what they make the the newsroom look like in all the president's men, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like this overhead lighting and then it's just like desks as far as the eye can see. Yep. I'll have a, uh, a little trivia fact about, uh, about that uh, later on. Once we get to the end of the end of the episode, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. It, it just seemed like Jack Lemon, like his job was like calling random people. And I didn't really like understand what he did all day. And then what does Fred McMurray do all day? And yeah. like, what does anybody do in this company all day besides like, it seemed like the women had more to do. Seriously. Like the only people we see do work is, is, is the like switch switchboard girls and Shirley McLean operating the elevator and like uh, Mr. Sheldrake's secretary doing like things that he like gets mad at her for doing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, well, this is a, I mean, not, I, I bet, I bet a company like that is cut down to like a third, like a quarter of the people that work there, probably work there now. But uh, you know what, that's fine. 1960s were it, a different time. Did it make you laugh to see like, Mr. Sheldrake had a secretary, a first executive assistant, and then a second executive assistant? And it was like, wait, those are three of the same things. He's a busy man. He needs he needs uh he needs some assistance in his life. Like what is he actually doing? Just business stuff. Who knows? I don't know. They, they, they didn't bother to explain it, and you know what? End of the day, it, I probably shouldn't be worrying about it so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that they don't get too bogged down in it. Um uh so like once we see uh uh Baxter leave his his job and he kind of gets locked out and then he's finally able to get in um, and introduces another key thing in this movie, which is just all of the neighbors reactions to the way that he lets his apartment get used. Did you find that funny? Like sort of them just popping in on him? It kind of annoyed me a little bit because why doesn't he just be like, it's not me? And then I was like, I wonder if he would have gotten evicted for it. But I didn't really get the feeling that that woman was going to be kicking him out of his apartment anytime soon. But I really did. 
I, I did get a little I, – I did think it was funny watching, like, Dr. Dreyfus and, like, his wife kind of get on and be like, oh, you, you don't have – you're not long for this world. Like, Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> Dr. Dreyfus literally being like, you're at it every night. Can you please donate your body to medicine? <laughs> that line was, like, funny. And then later on in the movie, that line is, like, turned into, like, this, like, you don't care about me type line where it's like, yeah, I guess I'll just donate my body to you. That's all you think of me. I'm like, whoa. The most unexpected plant and payoff in this movie. Pretty much. <laughs> um, from there, we uh, sort of see Baxter kind of cleaning up his apartment. Um, and then his uh, another one of his coworkers pops in and he has to uh, leave again. And he gets a cold. And then from there, we sort of see everybody calling him at work. And then he gets called up to meet Mr. Sheldrake. Um, Mr. Sheldrake learns uh, what is going on in his apartment and decides that he wants to take advantage of it. But it means a promotion for C.C. Baxter. And uh, the first thing I want to ask here is just how much of a bastard is Mr. Sheldrake in this movie? Everybody in this movie just, like, exploits their ability to, like, to get ahead and like hold the, it's like a power movie in a lot of ways. It felt like to me, he's like, he's just like, Hey, like, cause the whole scene, you're just supposed to like, think that like, uh, he's going to like get really, really mad at CC. And then instead he's just like, so can I get your key? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, clearly you like in that scene, you're like, ah, he's like not a good guy, but he's like as bad of a guy as the other guy. So who really cares? And then like as the movie progresses, you're like, whoa, he's like a really bad guy. Yeah, he gets worse progressively going yeah. through for sure. <laughs> I do like uh, Fred McMurray though. He's a uh, he's a good actor from back in the day. He he does do a great job of like pulling off this role. This could easily be a guy where you're like, you don't like him being in a scene because he's so much of a bad person. But he does have this sort of like charm to him or like charm about him that does like help you be like, okay, this person's a bad, this character's a bad person, but he is like interesting to watch. I do like having him on screen. Mm -hmm. He's very good in double indemnity. So it's like, I don't know. I, it's cool when you watch like old movies and it's not like you actually are able to have any like personal relationship with these people because it's not like, oh, I can't wait for the next Fred McMurray movie. So it is kind of cool when you get to like mm -hmm. see people multiple times in these roles and be like, man, like this person was like a, you know, I mean, I was reading on IMDb that apparently he was like pretty underrated even back then. It is fun to kind of go back and just be like, oh, wait, these were the celebrities of the time and like mm -hmm. you can just go through you know, like we've discussed uh, with, with The Big Sleep, like, I love Humphrey Bogart. So it's just like, I see a movie with Humphrey Bogart, and I'm like, yes! You know, it's, it's like getting yeah. a new celebrity added to the rapport. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of weird that you can, like, you could literally see their whole, like, all their movies, and you're like, wow, I have, like, the same relate. Like, I, like, now know this, like, this person's, it's not like, like, ah, when's the next, like, Brad Pitt movie coming out to, like, expand what his, like, my knowledge. It's like, well, like, I can actually, like, this person's like, a, like, I can actually like achieve this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and you, you know, like what are the, the better considered ones and what, what some yeah. are that like people don't like as much. It's good. And, and then you always, 
it's always fun afterwards to just like reading stories about it, about what happened and like why things happened a certain way. Right. I agree. Another great part uh, for Fred McMurray in this is, is when he's just talking about like, you know, oh, you seem pretty popular here, Baxter. And then he's talking about like all the other guys that have been like popular with so many people and how uh, it, it's all because they all had like some sort of side hustle that the other people could exploit. I thought that was a really fun speech from Fred McMurray too. I just like how in my like, I don't know, this is this. I'm not trying to like have a controversial take on this, but. It's almost like is Jack Lemon like a good guy? Like he's basically allowing these men to cheat on their wives. But, yeah. but like then there's the I, whole other thing where like they would have just found another way. But it's like this is much easier for them to just be able to go to this apartment and cheat on their wives. I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I almost don't feel like it's too hot of a take. Like if you if you analyze this movie enough, you do realize like eh, Jack Lemon is complicit in this. You oh know? yeah. Oh yeah. I I read a book where it was talking about uh among other other things like types of violence and you sort of like assume that if you just take away one mode like if you just take away guns that then knife violence will go up but that's not true because people that commit gun violence are specifically looking to commit gun mm-hmm. violence mm-hmm. it's sort of like a thing like this where it's like like you were saying like would all these guys really have just cheated on their wife another way? I don't think so because it was so, it's just so easy for them to in this movie. Well, it's like, oh, this is where I'll mention it. It's like that little subplot of the movie where there's like that one woman who's like, every time she walks by Jack Lemon, she's like saying something that like we already know because like we know like the guy that she's like sleeping with. And she's always mm-hmm. saying something funny like, Man, if he thinks he could just keep taking me to the car, he's gonna have to find a different car or a smaller girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, would these guys even be out like at bars, like trolling for women if they didn't know that they had CC Baxter's apartment to go like back Marilyn to? Monroe. Oh my god, that scene killed me. <laughs> I just and like then, how he's like, I need 45 minutes. And then she's like, you talking to your mother? That's so sweet. I need 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she talks, too, she sounds exactly like Marilyn Monroe. Like, she's clearly putting on, like, an affect to sound like her. I thought that was so funny. It's like LA Confidential. They just got, that, that guy would have been great in David Strait Heron's, uh David Straitham's uh, prostitution ring. <laughs> I, I like in LA Confidential when he confronts the one woman and he's like, and your plastic surgery to make you look like Veronica Lake was shitty. And then they're like, <laughs> that is Veronica Lake. That's such a good, like, God, God. It's a shame that Guy Pierce never really made a lot of, like, great movies and it's a shame Kevin Space is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, especially with that movie, too, because Kevin Space is supposed to be, like, a good guy in it. <laughs> yeah, and Benny gets killed for being a good guy. So maybe that's why yeah. he wasn't a good guy. So mess with the set. <laughs> Cause I, I've seen I've seen a Bug's Life and Seven since the Kevin Spacey news came out, and it's like at least he's a bad guy in both movies. Bug's Life. <laughs> hey, Iconic Kevin Spacey, Spacey Popper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly. <laughs> so from from here in the movie in the apartment, not in the Bug's Life. Mm. Um, 
you know, it's revealed that Mr. Sheldrake is is sleeping with Fran. Um, and, you know, you have this heartbreaking scene, or I guess maybe it's not heartbreaking, but the sad scene where you see Cece uh, standing at the theater waiting for Fran to show up because he's asked her to go to the theater with him with the tickets that Mr. Sheldrake has given him. Um, and then you find out she's not going to show up because she's with Mr. Sheldrake. Um, and then you get the nice little uh, twist on a twist, which is that the secretary has been watching uh, Mr. Sheldrake and Fran this whole time. Uh, did you like this this scene? I thought this was really clever. I think it's good. Shirley MacLaine, I think you start to understand like her character and her motivation and like how good of a job Shirley MacLaine was doing. Uh, I definitely didn't realize that that was the secretary. I have this problem a lot with older <laughs> movies where literally everybody looks the same in my head. Uh, unless you're like Shirley MacLaine where she looks very unique. And uh, once I realized that was the secretary like a few scenes later, I uh I really liked it. I really liked how like uh, she like she just like went to bat and she like instead of like fighting with Shirley MacLaine about the whole thing later on, she's just like, hey, like there's me, her, this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl. So like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was good to see like the secretary have a little bit of agency, you know, and like yes. uh, in control of her actions. And and not just be like bossed around by Mr. Sheldrake. Yeah, I agree. I, I think she like knows her worth, but um, yeah, she knows her worth, and she knows she shouldn't like let another woman put up with Sheldrake shit. Just a a a, a refreshing little like, just a refreshing little like surprise in um in, in a movie from the sixties. I agree. Yeah. Not what I was yeah. expecting. Not well, what I was expecting. Uh, yeah, you know, it's the sixties. Things are uh, things are a nightmare. <laughs> the swinging sixties. <laughs> so from there, uh, you know, we have a few scenes, and we we get the office Christmas party, which I thought was a really fun scene. With everybody kind of uh, uh, getting getting just absolutely plastered at the office, um, <laughs> but Mr. Sheldrake's sort of whole game is given away um, and Cece finds out that Fran is the mistress and that, that Mr. Sheldrake has been, been seeing at his, at his very own apartment. God, what a horrible realization that must be. I just love how like the, the, the Shirley MacLaine is given some real like sad girl 2020 lines that like, I feel like even 60 years from 60 years later are just like, Oh yeah, this is me. Like, Oh, your mirror's broken. That way I can see how I feel. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of waiting for somebody to, like, I don't know if you see this a lot on, on Instagram or not, but it's, like, people posting stuff from pages where it's, like, movie photos with, like, captions, and it's supposed to be, like, somebody's, like, Zodiac sign. Mm -hmm. I feel like she has a few lines in this that would get, like, posted, like, I'm such a Pisces. And it's <laughs> There's this hysterical letterbox review I'll have to send you where basically it's like uh, someone reviewing it and like picking out all the things about Shirley MacLaine that like are just so relatable. And uh, <laughs> and it's funny because the, the reviews like was funny. It's just like there's no way they knew what they were doing when they made her this relatable. 
Yeah, seriously. They, they definitely were, didn't. They were just trying to make her weak. and it's, like They were trying to make her appear very weak, and instead they just made her like an icon. <laughs> yeah, they're like... Like in 1960, they must people must have been like, "Wow, she's so depressed," but like now people are just like, "I hear you." It's like, "Oh, you OD'd on the first date." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's a mood. <laughs> but the office Christmas it... party was ridiculous. That that woman was stripping on a table. Yeah, they were going off. It was like a Wolf of Wall Street party at this <laughs> office like Christmas party. party. <laughs> there. The, the, like, women, too, at the switchboard, where they're all, like, sitting there, and they're like, there's a real swinging party down on the 19th floor. And then they all just, like, throw their headsets down and go running. Yep. That was so funny. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> and then and then the secretary just getting getting plastered. Like, uh, I'm glad she gave, I'm glad she gave Fran the information, but holy hell, she was, she was lit at that party. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she, you know what, man? Like they all were, and it seems like they're very demanding jobs of sitting there doing nothing for eight and a half hours a day. It just means you got to drink a lot. Yeah, you know that's just the way it was in the sixties. I've seen Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it was really, as as I mentioned before, it was just really good to see sort of like the women talking, and and you mentioned this the scene where she's kind of like just counting down all the women that Mr. Sheldrake has seen for Fran. And uh, that was so nice to see something like that as opposed to, like, the two women, like, getting in a cat fight or something like that. This was a much more, like, useful way to show their characters. Yeah, I completely agree. I have nothing to add. You're you're right on the the button with that. And then it was also interesting to see uh, Cece figure, figure out what was happening, too, with the whole mirror. Yeah, I uh, I felt bad for him in that moment, and uh, it was just like a good like planting of the mirror earlier to like for us to be able to come back and like see that again. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's like a beat that normally happens really far along in like a bad comedy, you know? Yeah, I I uh, I, uh, I think it was kind of useful because I think I think I think what it helped do. Is like he finds out about uh, what's your name, Fran, like staying with in his apartment. But then, like later on, he finds out again when she's like literally in his bed, and it's like mm-hmm. I'm surprised they like even felt the need to do the whole mirror thing because I feel like that's like kind of showing like, hey, Jack Lemon's a good guy because not only did he already know about this, he had to like literally see it happen, and now he's gonna take care of her as best he can yeah yeah i guess it's just probably like he sees this thing and he almost doesn't want to believe it and then when he sees her laying in his bed it must just be a a thing of he's like you know a i mean a he's got to take care of her but then b like he's like oh shit this really has been happening here yeah pretty much (laughs) this whole sequence uh and this whole realization sets up what i've uh, I've coined in our Google Doc as as the Blue Christmas. <laughs> um, so Fran and Mr. Sheldrake get in a fight. CC just gets absolutely plastered in the bar, uh, and he comes back and he finds Fran passed out on his bed from sleeping pills that she took that she OD'd from. Uh, man, this was a hell of a scene, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I, I uh, I, again, it was really good Shirley MacLaine when, like, Sheldrake is, like, breaking her heart. And I loved, uh, I loved the woman that, like, comes home with Cece from the bar. She was so funny. Just, like, shooting, like, the, the straw wrapper at him and, like, talking his ear off about her 5'2", 95-pound husband. Yeah, she was really hilarious. And the way they, the way they're, like, dancing together when they get, when they, like, closing time comes, it's so funny. Her head you're just touching for some reason. I'm like, this is how people danced back then? It was hilarious. It was, it was, it was really, really funny. They're both just, like, like, so rigid, like, just leaned against each other, like, going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was funny, because, like, that was, like, sort of funny, and then you have, like, Sheldrake and Fran are, like, it's, like, Depression 101 with those two. <laughs> yeah, and, it got it got sad so fast. Yeah, I got really confused with the scene, because I, uh, they have, like, that whole, like, really, like, dramatic music playing where... Shirley McLean's character like decides to take the sleeping pills which again that was also set up earlier in the movie when he's like I took sleeping pills already you can't have the apartment and uh, I didn't even realize she was going to take sleeping pills I thought this the they like show the scene where like he's looking and then it shows all the pills and I thought <laughs> I thought she was noticing the nose nasal thing that uh <laughs> that Jack Lemmon's character had earlier in the movie and I was like oh man she must know it's his apartment now and she's having like a whole like moment about it that and, I, and then I realized that now nah, she was just gonna ODM some pills you know it's hilarious that you say that because I had the exact same issue too that's what yeah. I thought was happening <laughs> and then you just see her laying there and you're like oh shit because they didn't like they sort of were setting up her as like being a character with like you know a lot of like demons, but you just never, I, you just never really got the uh, the thought that like she was gonna act on them. Yeah, especially over Mister Sheldrake. Like, you see them together for a couple scenes, but you don't think that like, and until until later in the movie, you don't think that like she's gonna like literally kill herself over him. It's like a. It kind of reminded me of like when you watch like a high school movie. And it's always some, like, really attractive person in the lead role. And they're always, like, the odd man out. And it's, like, mm, everybody would have loved Emma Stone in EZA, regardless of people thought if she was banging everybody. It's kind of like, yeah. Shirley MacLaine could surely do better than Fred McMurray. No offense to Fred McMurray. Yeah. They set it up, too, like, in the movie where everybody is trying to get with her, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a... Uh... She got, I think she, I don't know if she got nominated for this movie or not, but like she definitely was given the, the the limes to get nominated for it. Yeah, she did have just like some of the best one-liners uh, included. She was nominated as well. Oh yeah, good for her. Uh, yeah, she definitely could have done better than Fred McMurray, though, uh, whether at the office or elsewhere. <laughs> it's such the '60s though, where it's like nowadays I couldn't imagine like thinking work is the best place to meet somebody that's true like now it's a little i mean now now people have tinder so it's just kind of like you know <laughs> well now people also know uh, what workplace sexual harassment is that's true that's true sometimes frustratingly not well enough but yeah. <laughs> that is true <laughs> um so from here 
CC notices that Fran is passed out on the bed and he goes and he grabs the doctor who, uh, though he knows it's a crisis, is not shy about judging his life. <laughs> uh, and then, it, like, like, come on, Doc. Okay, I get you're annoyed with his lifestyle, but <laughs> there is there is an emergency here, man. <laughs> you know what? He was good just cussing out poor, uh, poor, poor uh, Jack Lemon again, but that's fine. You know, he, he ultimately saved the day. That's true. He does come through in the end. <laughs> um, they both they both help Fran recover, and uh, in in one of the most frustrating scenes, CC tells Mister Sheldrake, and Mister Sheldrake is like, "Oh, my hands are tied." I just like how, you know, at that point, Jack Lemmon's character starts to like realize that, oh wow, I'm not going to get like anything resembling anything out of him, and he's even like, "Oh, you don't even want me to like." Tell her you're doing well. He's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how seriously. Bad of a guy, are you at this point? This like is really when it starts setting up that like, CC is becoming a better person than he was at the beginning of the movie, and all mm-hmm. those other people just it makes all those other people just start looking so much worse. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because at this point. I, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later. I'll, I don't mean to jump around here, but at this point, he like, he like thinks she's hurt. Like he thinks. Wow, let me try to get my pronouns right. Cece thinks that like, him and Fran are a thing now. Like he thinks like, oh yeah, like she's mine. He's like, I'm gonna marry her. I'm gonna tell her this. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, you can, you can like see the 1960s oozing out of like the possession of like thinking that like, oh yeah, I want to marry her. I can marry her. It's like, well. No, but like even that's just the 60s. You just got to like live with yeah. knowing that's how it was. You do have to sit there and, and like, you know, it, it makes it makes some of the characters look silly now where you, you sit there and you're like, she does have a say in this, though. Oh, and <laughs> I, I think I, I think, you know, they do a really good job of trying to make her look like she can she can barely like handle the world on her own. But I think there's just something about the way Shirley MacLaine was giving the performance where you could tell there was some strength in her. Yeah. I think that is like Shirley MacLaine's persona too. She's kind of like snarky. Mm-hmm. And, and so that comes through a lot in the character. Yeah. Which I think actually makes it age better. Oh, I think this movie was still like watchable. There's not like a lot like that you like kind of cringe at, but there's like enough where it's like you could see how we've gotten hopefully better in some respects. Yeah, you've got to recalibrate the brain for sure. Yeah. One one aspect of this is that I definitely had to do that was with with the, all the gin rummy. <laughs> what are you even playing? I didn't understand that game at all. It didn't. It didn't make remotely any any remote sense at all. You know what? It, you know what? It, it. You know, CC was having fun, and if CC was having fun, That's we're true. all having fun. It, you do get the good joke too of like where she's like, he 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 hands her the cards and he's like, "Are you any good at gin rummy?" And she's like, "No, I'm lousy at gin rummy." He's like, "Well, I'm great." So here we go. Yep. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> uh, if you were CC's neighbors, how how angry would you be at him for all this shit? I would just like be wondering if he needed some help. Like, are like is he okay? <laughs> like. What is going on? Like, should they call somebody? Uh, you know, 
he does make a lot of noise. I, I, you know, if I to be completely honest, if I was his neighbor, I wouldn't say a thing. I'd be too scared of confrontation. That's true. <laughs> I I would make eye contact and maybe wave, but that's about it. <laughs> this this I think is the point where if I'm CC, I'm like, this is the situation with my apartment. This is why she's here. You know. Yeah, but he like wasn't that kind of guy. He like didn't have that ability to just be like like speak up. It felt like. Yeah. Yeah, that's Until definitely part of his arc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Wow, I am late out here. It's <laughs> bedtime. I apologize. <laughs> we'll keep it moving. Uh, so Baxter denies the use of his apartment to his co-workers, and uh, they rat out uh, Cece to Fran's brother-in-law, who has been looking for her because she hasn't shown up at home for a couple days. Uh, the brother-in-law shows up and beats up Cece, uh, but Frank kisses him, so he gets a whole bunch of hope here. Um, and I would, I would be remiss if I did not mention the tennis racket as a strainer. Here. That's amazing. I wish I thought of that. I wish I thought of that when I was in school. <laughs> he made a joke about it, and I was like, "Oh, there's no way that's real." And then, and then he does it, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Yeah, I was like, and it was per- it worked, it was great, and I was like, huh, I should, I have tennis rackets, I could probably do that. <laughs> this scene also is just a, a moment, uh, like I was saying with, with Mr. Sheldrake before, but the co-workers just really making themselves seem like shitty people here, too. Oh, they're the worst. They're the worst kind of people. Uh, they were just... They didn't care. I wonder what their home life was like. I bet they just like yelled at their wives all the time. And then, but they, you know, they were just like they were bad people. They ratted out Cece just because Cece no longer was helping them anymore. Uh, I got really. I was. I'm. There were a few unanswerable questions in this scene. Like, it almost seemed like her brother-in-law was in like a different movie. Just the way he was like acting and like he was just like a, like a like a tough guy thug. It kind of felt like, but he like definitely wasn't at all like when if you looked at the guy i was and that scene he like shirley mcclain's like i'm over 21 you can't tell me what to do and it's like how old are you like i i was wondering yeah. that because jack lemon felt like he was like maybe mid-30s mm-hmm. and i pictured shirley mcclain maybe like five years younger but i kind of started getting the feeling maybe she was like 10 years younger at that point but hollywood baby uh but uh I also really love when the the brother-in-law punches uh, Jack Lemon, which I had some issues with that because the dialogue they gave his character were like was like very strange, like where he didn't have to respond, being like, "Oh, she OD'd on account of me." He didn't have to say that. Like he didn't necessarily have to. It's not. I don't think the brother-in-law like was jumping to any conclusions about anything else at that point in time. Yeah, and it's almost a thing, too, of, like, he's been lying enough where he probably could have just lied to the brother-in-law, yeah. and it would have been okay. Yeah, it does not... make me laugh, though, like, when he gets punched. <laughs> he gets punched, he get like, he, like, falls back, and he looks like he's, like, blinking everywhere. There's blood, like, coming from his lip. I love when they go to Shirley McLean's face, and it was, like, it was, like, Janet Lee and Psycho, where it's just, like, ah! And I'm, like, that's awful. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> That was that's your nitpick in the scene, right? With her, oh, <laughs> it was so bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 all right. She's 
We couldn't have gotten another take, guys. Just, just roll it. We couldn't have tried it one more time. <laughs> I want to go drink with Sinatra. Just roll it. Yeah. You shook Sinatra's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm referencing another movie now. Well, we'll keep moving here. The kiss from, from Fran uh, gives Cece the, uh, the gumption to stand up to his boss uh, when he gets a promotion, uh, but he wants to keep using his apartment for Fran. Cece tells him, you're not using my apartment anymore, especially for Fran. And uh, also Sheldrake uh, fires his secretary because he, he finds out that um, she was the one who divulged the information to Fran. Just bad beats all the, all the way around for Sheldrake here. Yeah. Uh, Sheldrake gets screwed because his secretary then tells his wife everything. And I love how he's like, I'm staying at the athletic club. I just pictured him like sleeping on like a bench in like a Planet Fitness, which is kind of what I pictured when he said that. He's sleeping in like a gym locker room. <laughs> 20, 24 hours. He can just stay wherever he wants. But I like how Sheldrake, maybe that's like the, well, maybe that's the part of the performance for Fred Murray, McMurray that I actually kind of liked. Like he, he still, I think a lot of actors there would have tried to have been like, oh, like, oh, oh I'm here and here and life's tough. And instead he's like, Yep, she left me, and I'm staying at the athletic club, and I'm going to marry Shirley McLean. And I was like, wow, he is like, he doesn't, he never misses. He's good. That's true. He is just like, I've been, I'm getting divorced, and I've never been better in my life. But then I like how, yo, it's going to take at least six weeks, so I'm going to be a bachelor for a little bit. And it's like, the <laughs> <Yeah>. worst. <laughs> he, he says that, and you're just like, he's never going to marry Fran. It's like, God. <laughs> Why is he even trying and leading her on? Like, he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, why, why even, why even lead her on like that? I'm just having fun. But from I, there, I, uh, I agree. Good for Cece. I, I, I wanted the. Uh, I think my my one thought on with Cece is I think I was proud of him for like quitting his job and stand up to his boss. But also, sixty years later, what the what the fuck job was he quitting? What was he going to be doing at that job? Like we yeah. talked about this earlier, but like, what the fuck? Like, was he just going <laughs> to sit next to him and like do his bitch work? It's like, is that really what he was shooting for? Yeah, like and like, okay, he quit, but now he's applying to other places, and like, what is his like recommendation from this place really going to be? It's not going to be one, but it, you know what, dude? It was the 1960s. Life was good. Like, there was probably plenty <laughs> of work out there. He could just go by, like, a different name. He'll just tell him he's, like, Bill Dubuque. And, uh... He's a, he's a hard... He's a, he's an Ivy League man. So, like, you know, <laughs> he was going to be fine. Uh, the letter recommendation would have been interesting, but... Um, from there... Fran hears what Cece has said at the New Year's party from Mr. Sheldrake, and she rushes uh, to Cece's apartment where he's packing, uh, and you hear <laughs> you hear a pop go off, and I genuinely was like, <gasps> "Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too." That was that was scary as hell. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so it's it's sort of like a fake. Uh, suicide attempt here um, but thankfully it's revealed that, that Cece is okay 
and um, Cece professes his love to Fran, and she gives him the immortal line, shut up and deal. And they finish <laughs> their gin rummy game. And the end. What a what a pan playoff that gun story was. Holy hell. Yeah, I uh it's funny because at that moment, like I knew the movie was like ending. So I like like I like looked I was like on my phone a little bit. Like I was still watching the movie, but I was just like checking like reviews and just like reading other people's thoughts a little bit. And someone was like, you know, there always is this way this movie's always found a way to like keep itself really, really sad. And I was like, Oh my god, is he gonna die? They can't kill <laughs> they can't kill him. Like, come on, man. Like that it's a comedy. But I definitely thought he was like he had shot himself in the head. I was hundred percent like, oh, he's done. He's dead. Nothing, ever, nothing like that. See you later. It's definitely a testament to how well they pull off like the emotional stuff, where it's like, holy shit, he killed himself. He really killed himself. Yep. But uh, it was a great uh, end. It was a great ending to the movie, and I was happy to see them together. I was kind of okay. We didn't have some like passionate like lust moment i was just like the end they're together and i was like good like i hope they're happy yeah like the ending felt a little bit like when harry met sally which is obviously like a a movie that comes much after this but like i'm glad that it didn't have the sort of thing in in when harry that works in when harry met sally which is like you know when they show up and they're like i love you and like i love you sort of thing you know like CC is clearly just like head over heels for her, and she's like, uh, "Yeah, whatever. You can date me." Yeah, and it was the it was the end of a nice movie. I, I I'd say I gave it I gave it a four out of five stars. I really liked it. I really had a nice time with it. Yeah, same. I gave it the same rating, and it was just like, it was just a solid, like, really well done movie. Um, you know, all the characters are pretty fun, um, and all the actors are really good in their roles. Yeah, I agree. Good for us. Good choice. We did it. Yeah, yeah, a good choice for sure. I have a few. Um, I have a few little trivia things if if you want to hear them. Go ahead. So, uh, as I mentioned before, one of the ways that they made the the uh, office look so like full of people was they had they had full size people at desks in the front. Then they had children in smaller desks near the back and then after that they had just cutouts that they were like operating by wires that's awesome it's shocking that you don't notice it more i love like how good practical effects are and yet everything's fucking cgi now yeah yeah that's true it is like it's it's fun to like watch these movies and just be like oh they had to get creative and they did something cool and they did it well yeah, like like neither neither of us who are used to seeing CGI even noticed it. Nope, not at all. Um, another fun thing, since this is an Oscar show, uh, this was the last black and white movie to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards until 2011, um, and they're discounting Schindler's List because of some of the color sequences. That's crazy, though. 1960. I was surprised it was even black. I, I was actually surprised it was black and white. I figured they would have found color for it. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, uh, even some of the posters have like a decent amount of color in them. And then you just watch the movie and you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> Do you want to know who this beat for best picture? Because it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it yeah, beat, absolutely. It beat the Alamo, John Wayne epic. 
Uh, Elmer Gantry, which I don't know what that is, but it won an Academy Award for Burt Lancaster and Shirley Jones. Uh, oh, okay. It beat Sons and Lovers, and it beat The Sundowners. And it all... Psycho. Oh, there it was. Good Lord. I was going to say, this feels like a good win uh, for it, just based on the ones that are nominated, because I've never heard of them. But then then you mentioned Psycho, and it's like, damn. The directors that year, Billy Wilder won Best Director. He beat uh, Jules Dassin, Jack Cardiff, uh, Fred Zinnerman, and... uh, a relatively unknown Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Alfred Hitchcock. He made three of the best best movies in American history and uh, didn't get a best picture for any of them. Uh, nope. Of course. Why would we? Why would we ever make sure good movies got honored? Yeah, this is this just goes to show that like the Academy. Never ever got it right, you know. <laughs> They've always been upside down. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to your trivia. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like the little. I like the little awards perspective. That was good. Um. So we mentioned how how little money CC got paid a week. I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the inflation here. The hundred dollars that's left to uh, Fran by Mr. Sheldrake would be the equivalent of $871.52 uh, this year. So imagine somebody just being like, here's $900 to go uh, get yourself a, a Christmas present. I, I would invest that in Amazon back in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be like Forrest Gump and invest in Apple. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think it's a fruit company or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of things I would get for myself with $871. Sure. Yeah, that's, thank, you. thank you, Fred. <laughs> so before the overdose scene, Cece has 13 martinis at the bar. Would you be able to handle that after having 13 martinis? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I would. <laughs> I I, uh, I genuinely don't think I would be able to walk if no. I had thirteen martinis. I'd be I'd be done for the day, <laughs> especially because he has it so quickly. Oh yeah, he pumps those. He's like he's just pounding them, and then he's somehow just like back up there soberly explaining the uh, situation to to Doctor Dreyfus. <laughs> Alcohol hit different back then. And so uh, my last little piece of trivia here, I wanted to mention because we were talking about airplane and this made me think of airplane when the woman's getting slapped and they're like, snap out of it, Uh, is they actually like had doctors on set to advise how to like wake somebody up from an overdose and sleeping pills. I guess at the time slapping someone to wake them up was like a real method and they actually wanted the actor to slap Shirley MacLaine harder, which is just like, like now it's just like, oh my God, what? Uh, If this was a Kubrick movie, how many times would Shirley MacLaine have gotten slapped? 
like 98 times. <laughs> can we get that? Shirley McLean. Can we get that again? And she's literally just like bruised. <laughs> Shirley McLean's like, can here? we be done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, we just need some concealer. We're going again. She can't even move. They're like, they just figure out a way to get like a doll in there instead. And just hopefully the camera moves quick enough. Yeah. <laughs> they would have to eventually. That's cool, though. That's uh, that's some real doctoring right there. Yeah. <laughs> they were tougher back then. At least they had. <laughs> so we got another category here. You want to introduce it, Wolf? Yeah, so to our last thought on the movie is we're going to try to recast it with modern people. So we're only going to recast four parts because I could care less about the other parts. So who would you recast <laughs> at the, for Jack Lemon's C.C. Baxter role? So I had trouble with this one. Um, I wanted to get somebody like that's like really nervous and twitchy. So like the the first one that I put down was Jesse Eisenberg, sort of without thinking. I feel like he could kind of do this. He's not funny. That's true. That's true. It'd be it like be, uh, it'd be like an awkward Mark Zuckerberg funny. He'd yeah. But he uh, does have plenty of I, energy. <laughs> I like. I think that initially, like, I feel like for a certain a person of a certain age, the initial like thing is to go like, "Oh, Vince Vaughn," because he talks fast and he's funny. But like, I don't. I don't really think. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really think. And I also had Anton Yelchin, who is dead, rest in peace. But I feel like he would do a good job in the role as well. I read that name and I was like, is he dead? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I had Shamik Moore, who he was in like, he was the voice of Miles in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He's in like dope. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he was good at like, sort of having that nervous energy and being kind of funny in those movies. Yeah. So I think he would be a good option too. I kind of went the more like bubbly route of I thought Jacqueline was kind of like bubbly the way he like acted and I thought John Boyega would actually be kind of interesting it would be like a, a little different for him but I, I think he kind of like he kind of got that energy and like the passion I think it would take and then this is kind of a bad idea but Darren Chris I would just expect him to start singing at any given moment yeah. if he was playing but uh he's kind of got like the skip to a step that I kind of saw with CC Baxter at times that's true. Darren Chris is very like uh, outgoing seeming in a lot of his characters. I don't think there's like another Jack Lemon though. He just kind of seems like such a person who's like his fame and no no one's him. Yeah, he was really tough to try and recast. There's like not anybody else that I feel like does comedy the same way he does. No. I found Shirley MacLaine to be a little easier. I thought Florence Pui <laughs> for sure, could have definitely played this part now. I just think she's got kind of like the... I, I think she's got some of, the, some of the sad girl energy from like her part in Little Women. Some of her lines, I think, would be perfect for this movie. Uh, I think a young Renee Zellweger, like like Chicago time, I don't know, they kind of look alike back in like that time. They just kind of have like a similar face. And then, I don't know, I thought Kiki Lane from Appeal Street Could Talk would be interesting. She's kind of like a... Um, I think she could be able to do a lot of the things really well too. 
Florence Pugh is a great choice. I would love to see Florence Pugh in a in a remake of of The Apartment. She would I be think, awesome. I think you have a better choice though with yours. <laughs> I'll, I'll, so I have three choices down. I um I had Shailene Woodley, which I feel like I feel like if they remade this movie, that would be the d- type of direction that like executives would go in because uh, she's a big. Uh, the the one that I had that was my favorite choice though is Haley Lou Richardson. Oh, I feel so like she good. would not throw out the park. She'd be she'd great, be incredible. She would absolutely be incredible. My one issue with Shailene Woodley is, I feel like like, I feel like you get to know her a little bit from like her Twitter and like stuff like that. I, I feel like that scene where like uh, Shirley MacLaine gets like hit on the butt. Shailene Woodley would just kill the man who did that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's there is like. I, I was like, I saw the movie, and then and then you asked me this question, and and you were like, who would be recast in the Shirley MacLaine part? In my mind, immediately went to Hollywood would cast Shailene Woodley or Jennifer Lawrence, oh. and like I think, I feel like there's too much baggage with the two of them as actresses to like go with them. I like going with, so with the Jack Lemmon and the Shailene, or in the Shirley MacLaine roles, I feel like it would be cool to see like two younger actors or like lesser known actors. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then I also had Tessa Thompson in there just because I feel like she would do a good job to it sort of being like a, a woman that's not really letting herself get pushed around that much. Oh no. <laughs> Tessa Thompson would just go all Valkyrie on him. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe she's too tough. <laughs> Who would you have recast as your guy, Fred McMurray? See, I pictured in Double Indemnity, I pictured Adam Driver and Fred McMurray as kind of the same, like, tall, imposing characters who are, like, a little underrated. I, I feel like they don't get the mm-hmm. respect they deserve. I thought Colin Firth would have been kind of funny in that role. I think Colin Firth <laughs> would kind of work in the Jack Lemmon role in some ways. Uh, and then uh, I think Brian Tyree Henry would be, like, an imposing figure. But I don't know if he would be able to do some of the, like, asshole parts that fred mcmurray does so well brian tyree henry's a really good choice i think he would be really interesting in the role yeah he would like have a sort of like a command of the room that i think is really good i and like adam driver and Arthur are great too i like your answers more i think your answers are kind of more of what i was thinking but like i couldn't get past in my head the idea of fred mcmurray being like underrated yeah is that so like here's what i was thinking is like cast like two younger people as the as the main two leads and then like fred mcmurray i'd want somebody that's like a old or not an old hollywood but like a hollywood like silver fox so like brad pitt or george clooney or denzel washington yeah denzel like somebody, makes a lot of sense because i think the one thing and like it's like we were saying like there is something where it's like okay fred mcmurray's the, the like boss or whatever but like Shirley McLean could do better, but like, I feel like you want to cast somebody that's a, like a big name in that role. So that like, when they walk in the room, you're like, Oh, that's why she's putting herself through all this turmoil for like, can you imagine like a George Clooney and Shailene being in love after they made descendants together? That would be so awkward. (laughs) It would be so weird. I feel like if you, so that's that's part of why I wanted to recast somebody that's a little bit older 
and then somebody that's younger for the two leads is to like really exacerbate like how creepy this would be exactly like you want like it should be a critique of how fucking creepy that is that like a 50 year old guy with two kids and a wife at home is like hitting on the like 25 year old elevator woman <laughs> disgusting who do you have as exactly <laughs> so uh you have one choice that i loved um and i kind of just piggybacked off of that mm-hmm. uh i have paul walter hauser uh who he was he was richard jewell and richard jewell uh, but he's also in like Black Klansman and I, Tanya. He's really funny. I feel like he's enough of like a bumbling idiot, but you to be funny, but but you could also believe him still being able to like patch somebody up at the end of the day. Um, and they also thought it would be kind of funny to have Bill Murray in the role, even though I think he's probably just Bill Murray most of the time now. Um, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. Sure. And then if you're, if you're just going for more like just straight doctor, he's just a serious doctor. I did Andre Holland from uh, High Flying Bird just because I like him. He's so good at being like a professional guy. Yeah, I think, that, I think it's uh, – I think if they gave him enough to work with because I feel like it's one of those roles where like the guy who did it in the movie got nominated for like best supporting actor. And I feel like it's like another opportunity for someone to get that, like, get that award love again. Exactly. Like just somebody to come in. He's in a few scenes. He's really good. Um, and he tells some jokes and he gets the job done. I thought I thought John Goodman would be good. He's a little old now, so probably not. But then I think Lil Rel Howery from like Get Out, I think would be like magnetic with that part. He would like really dial it up. It'd be a lot of fun. It would be like Rod Part 2 where every yeah. scene he's in, you're like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. I could like picture him being like, I don't know, man, you're going to keep drinking that much. (laughs) Like imagine him telling the joke where it's like, could you donate your body to science? (laughs) He would be so good with the humor. Honestly, though, I hope they never remake this movie. I think, I think it's, uh, I think they'd have to, well, you know, if they remake it, that's, I think they'd have to like change a lot of it because it's so like such a time capsule of what 1960 was like. They would really have to uh, really change a lot of it. I don't know if they could even remake this movie, given how the world is now. I, I mean, it, we, were, we were just talking about it with the recasting. Like, if we were to remake it, we would have to do it in a way where it's not really a comedy anymore because it's so creepy. Yeah, I agree. You, you know, know what, though? We did good. Good movie for us. I enjoyed this. Yeah, this was, a, this was an enjoyable movie. I think this was a solid, solid pick for movie club it was good to scratch another best picture winner off the off the list as well yeah I, i've noticed that my spreadsheet i have of all the best picture nominees is getting like more and more yellow as i highlight more movies that i've seen and i'll have seen three more by next week when we do the 2006 oscars where uh so i've watched i don't, I don't want to give anything away but i've watched two of the movies from this year and i don't think either one really should have been nominated for best picture so here we go. It'll be a good one. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I've never seen Brokeback Mountain before. Neither have I. And everybody's going to watch it. And so it's like, okay, here we go. Now's the time. I think, uh, <laughs> I think tomorrow I, I, I'm slowly talking myself into tossing Munich on my TV and getting through that marathon. 
Yeah. How long is that movie? Is that a, that's a long one, right? One hundred and sixty-three minutes. It's a it's a mixed bag. Yeah, Munich is one sixty-three. Good night, good luck is ninety-three. Broken Mountains is like one hundred thirty-five. Uh, Capote was one sixteen, and then Crash is uh, I don't know who fucking cares how long Crash is. <laughs> oh, too long. Uh, <laughs> I am excited to watch Capote. Because one of my roommates is like just a big fan of Truman Capote, and so he's just constantly talking about the movie, and I'm like, I've never seen it, man. Yeah, I like. I, I thought it was fine. I just, uh, I think it's a typical like, ah, oh, okay, like we're nominating, like another, like even like the, we're nominating yet another biopic. Like I thought it was fine. I liked. It. I definitely liked the movie, but it was also one of those like, oh man, there, there really wasn't something yeah. else we could nominate. But I'm, I'm curious to see what you think because Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing i uh, I'll, I'll be doing truman capote impersonations i'll be doing jake gyllenhaal impersonations um i'll be impersonating every character from crash it's going to be a fun week next week 99 cents capote <laughs> right now on amazon you better yeah. you better do that i'll hop on it i'll hop on it for sure all right anything else for our for our fan i think we've covered it um Everybody join us again next week uh, for the 2006 Oscars ceremony. It's going to be a fun one. Bye, everybody. Uh, Thanks so much, everybody.